Hi, I'm one of the creatures behind the doorway that just wishes someone would ask about him for once. Dalen. And I'm that sweet, sweet doorway, and I want you to come inside me, Eric. I'm so sorry, we have to cancel the podcast now. (laughs) (laughs) And welcome to Loyal's Book Club, a podcast dedicated to dissecting and discussing Robert Jordan's fantasy series, The Wheel of Time. There is no this time, because Eric... This is a Christian podcast. This is a family <laughs> podcast. My apologies to all of the nuclear families that I've offended in this episode. And what are you, Eric? I am your first time reader. And I am your very grumpy, grizzled warder. You know my name. <laughs> and today we'll be covering chapters 11 to 15 of The Shadow Rising. Two very great chapters. Well, all the chapters are fantastic, but... There were some chapters that when I was looking at it and planning out this season, I was like, we have to do this. These are the chapters we have to lump together because they're so great. And I've been hyping chapter 11 up to Eric because I've said this is going to blow your mind about everything in the Wheel of Time and just kind of flip it upside down. So I can't wait to get that information to you because... I have with me, in addition to my copy of The Shadow Rising, the, a copy of The Eye of the World. And if you know what happens in Chapter 11, you know why Eye of the World is important. So, let's dive into it. Chapter 11, What Lies Hidden. Yeah, What Lies Hidden. And there's there's a lot of, there's a lot of things lying hidden here, Dalen, even from myself, because... Uh, I didn't think to get the eye of the world at all. Yeah. Uh, I so I I'm I'm expecting there were a ton of things that were just whooshing over my head. So with you being a first time reader, there are things that obviously Wheel of Time owes itself to a reread, like mm-hmm. reading it again. And there's some things I want you to discover for yourself, but there are some things that I'm like it can't hurt for you to find out because Robert Jordan plants a lot of seeds, and it's really interesting to go back when you finish the series to go oh oh shit start there's a... seeing what's falling oh yeah for there's... Uh, years to come or something oh yeah mm-hmm. and so this is one of them and so before we get into that so uh there was just this little detail about Egwene that i loved she's going into Teleran Riyadh for the first time without the dream ring right because she said I don't want to dip my toes where I should be swimming. And I think that's so... It just... I'm more impressed with Egwene the more I go into this reread. She's so cool. I think she's very like, fuck it, why not? Let's just do it. If I can go into it without the ring, I'm going to have to do it eventually, you know? Yeah, I don't know if this will be a reoccurring thing for episodes to come, but at least for this week's reading, she definitely receives my badass sticker. Uh, yeah. Out of everyone, she definitely shows up, uh, she, and she doesn't come to play. She she came to work. Oh, she <laughs> literally said, uh, Nynaeve and Elaine, y'all can have the ring. I'm kind of taking over, so have fun with that. But no, I think a badass star of the week should be rewarded. I think... Before we do the armor-piercing question. Oh, give out some stickers? Some, yeah. Some weekly stickers? I love it. Yeah. I, I love think, it. I like the badass gold star of the week. And then we give uh, Boo Boo the Fool. Yes, of course. All right. Of course. So you start thinking who is the gold star? Well, Egwene. And then Boo Boo the Fool of the I, Week. Well, 
save that for the end of the episode. Yeah, I've got to say it's it's between two right now, but I'm 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 excited. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, this is taking place hours after the whole Trollk attack. Like when you think about chapters two to I think fifteen, it's all over the course of five six days. It's not a lot of time. A lot of traumatic shit has happened in six days so. yeah we got a jam-packed action sandwich in the oh, yeah. first part of the book but you know what again i appreciate it so much as a as a reader going through this for the first time i love that we're breaking away from the formula of we've got a problem here we got to get over here and now we got to break up and then we'll meet again at the end yeah i love that out the gate oh, everyone's yeah. kind of in trouble everyone's being pulled in different directions uh as this bunch of chapters will lend itself to yeah but. and these chapters we really got the so this is where the book is going to go now. Mm -hmm. So Egwene is thinking about what Rand did, and she's horrified. But I, and so are Elaine and Nynaeve. Uh, Avienda is there. She's sitting at the foot of the bed with like her knives out because everyone's just like, "What Rand did is horrifying." And I found this detail interesting. Egwene talks about she's jealous of Rand, not that he could do that, that she couldn't see the weaves. Like, she wants to see how Rand did it. And I think right. that's really cool. Yeah, no, again, we get we get a lot of Egwene kind of meddling and self-starting her own lessons and stuff. And I definitely think that's one of them. I think she's hungry for knowledge. I think she's a little, maybe not power hungry, but at least, like, that inner power she has. I think she wants to explore that. And I think she wants that to grow yeah. Uh, even faster than it has been. And I don't know if it stems from her training under Nynaeve as the Wisdom's apprentice. And, and wanted to break free and be independent. Yeah, mm -hmm. or if it's the Sean Chan, because mm. she kept saying, I will not be chained again. So I don't know if it's her going, I never want to be powerless again. So let me figure out how Teleran Riad works. Let me see how Rand channels so I don't have to stand by while he goes insane. Mm -hmm. If I can do something about it, I'm going to do something about it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I know it hasn't been exactly uh, spelled out or anything, but I always kind of, uh, at least up until this point, have kind of interpreted as a power within kind of thing. I think it does, uh, I think there's a definitive piece of her being a bit of an apprentice back in the small village, and I think once that world breaks open, all of a sudden she's aware of, how much influence she has over it and, and yeah. exactly how powerful she could be herself. Yeah, I think it was something she didn't realize until she left the two rivers. And I think that's happening with a lot of them. They didn't know what they were capable of. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. And uh, I, I don't mean to jump the ship at all, but oh, you're fine. getting the two rivers mentioned in this bunch of chapters and what's to come with that, oh boy, I got goosebumps. I'm, oh, yeah. I'm excited for that showdown. It is going to be interesting but but you are totally correct the, these people are totally different than when they first left the two rivers and you know it is kind of masterful to look back over the course of these you know three and a quarter books so far and to really see both how far they've come and how it hasn't been that long no it's <laughs> been maybe a year yeah and yeah and just how far they have to go because again we are third of the way through the series mm -hmm. right now and there's still so much to go so much trauma so much laugh so much joy you know give it to me give it to me all buffet style <laughs> all right we'll grab your ticket but while you wait for that so we kind of get a recap of the rules of Teleran Riyadh because Egwene explains it to Avienda and then she 
We also get a breakdown because she's been studying maps of Tanchico and she finds the Panarch's palace. And we kind of get a breakdown of what the Panarch is from Elaine. It's essentially she works with the king on other matters, but she doesn't have quite the authority that he does. And Egwene's response to this was, I didn't really care to know. I just needed to fall asleep. <laughs> and it's this like little snippy, but like, I get it. I've been there. Like, I don't really care. I'm just trying to go to bed. <laughs> well, and Elaine is, uh, she definitely has the more formal uh, yeah. uh, education and, and <clears throat> academia. So I could totally see Egwene being a bit of a doer and Elaine being a bit more of a planner. Yeah. It's like you, they have characters who are the heart the mind and the body. Egwene mm-hmm. is the. I think Elaine is the mind. Mm-hmm. Nynaeve is the body, and Egwene. No, Nynaeve is the heart, and Egwene is the body. Yeah, I can get behind that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with that. Um, so we get a couple of dreams that she's had about Rand, but then are in, then including other characters. So. Uh, Rand is as tall as a mountain, uh, going full Godzilla and breaking cities while screaming, people flee. Then Rand is in chains, screaming. Uh, Rand is building a wall with him on one side, Egwene, Elaine, and other women, other women on the other side of the wall. And he's saying, it has to be done. I'll not let you stop me now. So I think it is a lot of, Egwene's own fears of Rand coming into power Mm -hmm. because in the chapter she had with him and Elaine she was like this is you're not the king you you are the boy who brought a baby sheep under his cloak and was like proudly saying oh I fought off a bunch of wolves like this is not you and I think with what she saw Rand doing to the Trollocs she's kind of seeing Rand as a sort of not madman, but I think becoming a monster. Yeah, no, I, I think that's uh that's pretty astute, and I actually agree with you because I think on this read through, I kind of read it as you know things to come, but this is the dream world. This isn't a prophecy in writing or anything, and I think because of that, it's it's much more internal. So I I think you're right. I think these are some fears that honestly may not may not be unrealized i do i could imagine rand flying off the handle and having to be put in check you know with uh yeah. with the dragon stuff and i would not be surprised if Egwene was the one that would have to pull the trigger on that yeah it's sometimes the people closest to you that have to make the hardest decisions mm-hmm. but the next thing that she sees was a little interesting so she sees aiel fighting and killing each other some aiel throwing their weapons down and running away as if they'd gone mad I thought of the line, Moraine quoted that bit of prophecy that she was using to justify Rand going to war with Ilion, and there was a line that said, and he will break the spears of war, Mm -hmm. and all I could think of was the Aiel, and so I don't know if the Aiel turning against each other, like we also just saw Shadowspawn turning against each other, I don't know if that has to do with Rand, or if there's a Forsaken involved, or what do you think? I think something's driving a bit of infighting in the Aiel. I definitely think that's going to be something down the line that we haven't run into yet. Whether that's, you know, loyalty to Rand that kind of splits them within, or if it is a... I think what I could see more, uh, and what personally I think my guess is, is that the Aiel throwing away their spears and acting like mad people. I think that's Rand's camp. I think they're following him. I think the other 
part that's still fighting uh, the Aiela that are, still have their weapons and stuff, I think they're being led by a Forsaken. I think okay. there's something in place. There's something that has invaded or, you know, kind of sabotaged the Aiel people. And I think it's all hinging on the He Who Comes With the Dawn reveal. I think okay. that's going to kick off kind of what's going on with that group at large. Okay. Well, we're going to keep that in the back pocket, but that is an interesting theory. All right. She sees Matt wrestling with the Sean Chan woman who then ties an invisible leash around him. Yeah. This one, uh, this one made my head spin a little bit because, again, these are dreams. They're not prophecies. So right. it's not like these are to come. This is something a bit more interpretive. It's a bit more internal. Um, and yet, what Egwene sees in the dream world does in some way have a very real effect on the real yeah. world. So my question is, what is going on here? <laughs> yeah. Well, I do want to say that Egwene has had dreams that predicted things before. I mean, right. uh, she had a dream in the last book. Matt is coming for them saying, I'm coming. Right. And she was able to kind of keep up with Rand and how he was doing yeah. and such. So yeah. I wouldn't discount her dreams as not prophetic. I'm still hanging on to it. I okay. think I think I need to, or not that part, but I'm maybe maybe Rand isn't our dragon reborn. I, I know you've said that it's he absolutely it. Reborn. It absolutely is. But until I get further proof, maybe Matt is. Maybe Matt is the dragon reborn, and maybe the Shan Chan are trying to you know utilize him as a weapon, and them being able to bind him and such. It's got it's got to mean something deeper. Matt 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 has a bigger purpose. It definitely feels that way through these chapters. Mm -hmm. I will remind you that Rand has the double brand, heron brands on his palm that says twice shall he be marked once, uh, like once for something, once for the other. Rand has kind of fulfilled part of the prophecies of the dragon. Rand is kind of confirmed dragon reborn. I know you wanted to be Matt. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I will tell you now, hmm. it is not Matt. Okay. It is Rand. But have you considered... All right. What if it was? Okay. That's all I got, but have you considered? <laughs> I have considered, but... Okay, so so Rand is our drag... So... <laughs> he is the drag... I'm... Well, then, you know what? I'm gonna... I gotta turn on a dime then. I think I gotta stick to my guns on the last... Uh, that last... Not the very last one, but one of the back pocket predictions I had where Matt is gonna get tangled up in the Shan Chan and probably yeah. definitively because of Egwene and such. So, you okay. know, that's probably some stuff that we'll just have to see unveil itself later for sure she then sees a wolf she assumes it to be Perrin chasing a man whose face keeps changing creepy yeah creepy and cool because we know Perrin has had some run-in with someone that he knows to be called slayer and slayer was responsible for hopper's death i think in book one so hopper hopper uh slayer has kind of been a distant figure in Perrin's dreams, but a constant. As to why his face keeps changing, who knows? Right. Yeah, I didn't have anything for this one except, cool, can't yeah. wait. <laughs> cool. Um, Galad wrapping himself in white as if it's his own shroud. Yeah, this one was... Uh... Because, you know, especially for uh, uh, Gowan and Galad, I, I really have not paid too much attention to them. Like, if they're not on the page, I forget about them entirely. That's fair. I'm sure there's some cool stuff cooking with them. I especially love that they're at water summer camp and whatnot. But, um, yeah, this one, what, I mean, do I know you have insight because you've read the series. Yes. 
is this like is this like anything with like to do with white cloaks or is it more metaphorical? I, I just need crumbs. I just need something because this one stuck out to me. Well, you will find out soon, but just remember he's cloaking himself in white. Cloaking himself in white. Okay. Cloaking himself in white. Yes. I so, got nothing, man. So while you ponder that, Gawain, with his eyes full of pain and hatred. Again, uh, just like I said before, a character I don't pay attention to or remember when he's off the page. That is fair. I, I, I think he'll come in later, and I'll very much grow to like him. I just feel like he hasn't had a lot of limelight. Yeah. Uh, I'm scared because he likes a lot of people that I like. Yeah. So if he's feeling that way, I'm probably feeling that way about the same thing. So I'm not I'm not terribly excited to see what that one means. All right. <laughs> and the last one is happiest of all, Egwene's mother weeping. I got a bad feeling about the two rivers, man. All right. <laughs> so we'll just leave that there. So Egwene goes into Teleranriad and she finds herself in the Panarch's palace and it's the section that's like a museum and things are roped off and all of that. So we learn she kind of is able to change her outfits and she changes into like a fancier version of Avienda's uh, Aiel garb and then she changes to a dress. And we learn that the artifacts in this museum are from the Age of Legends and even before, so the first stage. So there's a skeleton of an animal that has four empty sockets. Two, Egwene assumes to be for tusks and what seems to be a large nose. So, what do you think? I mean, I, I'm still holding on that this is definitely fantasy, but we're definitely going to get some sci-fi. I think we're going to get time travel. I think we're going to get dimension building. This has got to be like a woolly mammoth. Mm -hmm. I just, that's, that's how I feel about it. I could be totally wrong. Oh, see, I, I was going for elephant in general, but woolly uh, mammoth like sounds in general. Right. I could, you know what, I could see that too if it kind of like blends into our time and real time and stuff. Yeah. Like, because even something you know from our world would be totally exotic over there, probably. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, woolly mammoth or or elephant. I think that's what's on my radar. A skeleton of a four-footed beast with a neck so long the skull is halfway to the ceiling. I mean, we got we got a giraffe. Yeah. Right? I mean, so so okay. N keep going. Never mind. Keep okay. going. Um. Save your questions for after the Eye of the World moment. Right, okay. Okay. And um, dull black bracelets and collar that causes her old pain. Yeah, and that's, that's got to be the uh, the Sean, Sean Chan. Chan. Yeah, colors. so weird black painted Sean Chan, uh, uh, the Adam. Mm -hmm. So why is it black? Who knows? A silvery three-pointed star in a circle that causes Egwene to have feelings of pride and vanity, and she can't recognize the metal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I got nothing for that one. All right. So I'm going to direct Eric to The Eye of the World, Chapter 4, The Gleeman. Tell us about Len, Egwene called, how he flew into the moon in the belly of an eagle made of fire. Tell us about his sister, Salia, walking among the stars. Old stories, those, Tom Marilyn said. Stories from the age before the Age of Legends, some say. Perhaps even older. But I have all stories, mind you now, of ages that were and will be. Ages when men ruled the heavens and the stars, and ages when man roamed as brother to the animals. Ages of wonder and ages of horror. 
ages ended by fire raining from the skies and ages doomed by snow and ice covering land and sea. I have all stories, and I will tell all stories. Tales of Mosk the giant with his lance of fire that could reach all around the world, and his wars with Elsbet, the queen of all. Tales of Matrice the healer, mother of the wondrous Ind. All of that, I'm going to tell you now, that three-pointed star, a Mercedes-Benz symbol. Sick. I knew it. So, Dimension building. I knew it. So, the bra- um. Well, it's a little bit more than that because, um, where is it? So, um, Len, uh, how he flew in the moon in the belly of an eagle, John Glenn, and how he, the ship he flew in was called the Eagle. Okay. His daughter, Salia, Sally Ride. Gotcha. Okay. okay. Um, t- tales of Mosk the Giant with his lance of fire that could reach all around the world. Mosk, Moscow. And the nuclear weapons. Okay. Uh, Elsbeth, the queen of all. Queen Elizabeth. Gotcha. Uh, Tales of Matrice the Healer, Mother Teresa. So, uh, Mother of the Wondrous End, India. Mm-hmm. So the implication with not only this and what we know in The Shadow Rising is the time that we are living now is the first age. Right. And that Wheel of Time, the series, takes place in the third age in the far, far distant future. Right. Okay. That, you know what, that totally makes sense and kind of cleans up a bit of my theory that, you know, we're not working with dimensions as far as space is concerned, just just time. Yeah. Uh. Okay, I'm here for it. I'm yeah. totally here for it. When I, as a baby reader, when someone was like, oh yeah, reread that section, I went, what? They mentioned Mosque and Merc, America. Right. And I was just like, wait, it's such a little like, oh, oh, okay, cool. No, oh, that's that's really cool. I thought you were pulling my leg there for a second when you said it was a uh, Mercedes, uh, Mercedes no. hood ornament. <laughs> it's fully confirmed by Robert Jordan to have been a Mercedes Benz hood ornament. So, all right, we got Angriels, mm-hmm. we got Terangriels. Mm-hmm. Uh, are those all just mundane items that have become special through the ages? Have they always been special? Because they do talk about the first age. Right. And those being tools and artifacts from the yeah. first age. And we, we would be in the first age now, right. right? There are some objects, I believe, from the first age. A lot of the Angriel, Sangriel, Terangriel come from the second age, I believe. Okay. So a lot of them are, I believe, made with the one power. Mm-hmm. And sort of infused with it. Others are more just conduits. Uh, because there's one uh, Angriel that's broken that Egwene tries to channel. And it, like, causes her, like, a large amount of pain. Right. Um, I am in... I am no means... Oh. So, uh... Okay, so, yeah. Jake uh, adds that they were made in the Age of Legends, the Second Age. So... A lot, a lot from the first stage is lost. Gotcha. And there's only the stories. Uh, legend becomes myth, and myth that becomes right. legend when the age that gave birth to them. Okay. Um, All right. Okay. I can jam with this. Yeah, I can... it's a very... Uh, and it's like the breaking of the world was very much our world being broken mm-hmm. and continents. And so it's really kind of like... It does have this sci-fi sort of twist, especially when like you take into account uh the second age was this age of paradise like there was right um we get into it a little more in the coming books but 
this sort of paradise that was corrupted. Um, but that's for later. Let's uh, get back to Egwene, who she's wandering around Tanchico. She's trying to find any evidence of the Black Aja. And her thoughts kind of drift, and she goes, uh, if only the wise ones could help me. And she finds herself in the Aiel Waste, and she sees a young Aiel woman who's about Avienda's age with blonde hair, and there's just a moment between them, and she kind of goes back to Tanchico, and she's wandering around the towns trying to find things, and she notices that, like, a vase will change from red to blue, just things are off. Like she finds a barn and there's all these rats. And the uh, 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 the Aiel woman is back. She's back in the Aiel waste. They kind of go back and forth. And the Aiel woman finally says, you have no right to wear the cat and sore, which is the Aiel garb. Um, and when Egwene is back in the waste, she sees a woman just beyond the Aiel woman, a woman with a silver bow and a blonde braid. And we learn her name is Brigitte. She's one of the heroes of the horn. Yeah. And so it's this I weird. Think she ma- Did she make an appearance in The Great Hunt? Yes. I okay. believe she was like kind of the ones named as like, hey, Matt, That's thank right. you. Yeah. Thanks, girl. Yeah. So very excited to get back into touch with them. Yeah. Do you think her seeing Brigitte has any. Uh, do you think there's like a, what is this? Like, what did, did you, do you think there's any stock in Brigitte mm. reappearing? Or do you think it's just kind of like a, she's in the dream world. She's, you know. On account of my brain being broken by the new rules of time and what's kind of going on, there's not a ton of space. I do think, however, we do have a bit of a link to the past. Yes. I think we've got, you know, a bit of a doorway, so to speak, into all of those forgotten tales and right. stuff. I think she's a being under her own. Yeah. You know? uh, I definitely think uh, you have these artifacts of power. Matt blew the horn. So I think there's some type of connection there at least. But uh, I think this is a very powerful being. Okay. I think it's just not necessarily a physical one. Benevolent? God, I hope so. Okay. <laughs> Otherwise, they're fucked. <laughs> so... Um, Egwene goes back to Tanchico and she realizes she can fly. And so she flies for a bit and then she's like, oh shit, I'm a walking target for the, uh, Black Aja. And the Aiel woman is there, but Egwene notes like, oh, she looks older. And the Aiel woman goes, put your feet back down on the ground. Right. And, um, we learn that this, uh, we learn that her name is Amis. Is it? So for people who can hear, is it Amos, Amis, Amis of the Nine Valley Sept of the Tar- oh, geez, Tardad Aiel. You see, I just went with Amy's. Amy's? <laughs> just plural Amy. <laughs> yeah, no. Anytime this name has come wrong. up, I went, I've heard Amis, and I'm just like, mm-hmm. Amis, uh, Amos. Amos. I-, I would guess Amos. Famous Amos. Does she invent famous Amos? <laughs> is this the famous Amos? <laughs> I, I, you know what? I don't even know why I'm throwing my hat in this ring. Do I really it. have, I've, I have no business trying to figure out the pronunciations of anything in these books. No, but you know what? We're going on this journey together. You would think I would know how to say things, but I don't even know how to say T A A R D A D. Tardad, T A R D A D. I think ta- I, 
Tardad? Tardad. Tardad. I, that's what I would go with. All right. So, Amis can sense that there's something evil. And we kind of get the name for Dark Friends in, I guess, Aiel Lexicon is uh, Shadow Runners. Right. And Egwene's kind of like, oh, you can sense them too. Do you think I could do this? And she goes... You are like a child demanding a silver bracelet from her father this minute when she knows nothing of trading or the making of bracelets. She kind of cuts Egwene down, and Egwene is very like, huh. So Egwene is told to come to Cold Rock's Hold in the Threefold Land. She, Amis is in Ruidian at the moment, but she is told to be careful and as she's talking, Egwene starts waking up, and Amis is like, no, dude, where are you going? Wait, 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 wait. And that's where the chapter ends. Right. So, um, a path is diverted. Yeah, we, we dip our toes back into the formula of someone's got to go somewhere else away yeah. from the group. <laughs> so, uh, chapter 12, Tanchiko, or the tower, is a continuation. We learn Elaine was trying to wake Egwene up, but she was very deep in the dream world. Mm-hmm. It almost reminds me of when Hopper tells Perrin, you're too here too strongly, young bull. Right. Like, I think for all of Egwene's confidence, she, it's right. She doesn't know. No, Egwene's going to, Egwene, I, I think, and I, I feel strong enough to, to label this a, a trademarked prediction. Egwene's going to put herself in a coma and get trapped in the dream world. Interesting. Uh, without that ring. I, I think she, you know, she's got all this raw power and potential, but I think she's going to overstep herself and I think she's going to get herself into some big trouble. All right. Um, so it's funny because uh, Egwene's like, I'm awake. And you just, it says like Nynaeve put the water, pitcher of water down. She was about to chuck it at her. Um, Classic. Oh, yeah. And so we learn, uh, Egwene tells the girls what happened. And Elaine notices Avienda gets a little unsettled when she hears about Amis. And... Um, we learn that uh, we learn a lot about Aiel culture. Yeah, we get to dip our toes into it. And I gotta um, say, they they do it right. They <laughs> do so much right. Um, because we got a little bit of Aiel culture in book three, but not a lot. Right, when they run into them for the first time, and we hear about uh, what is it, Spear Sisters? Yeah, near, I think Spear Sisters. I believe I might have to review that. Yeah, but we get um, Avienda says. First sisters meant having the same mother, except that it was possible for friends to become first sisters by making a pledge before wise ones. Second sisters meant your mothers were sisters. If your fathers were brothers, you were father's sisters. And then Elaine, uh, no, I think it's Elaine goes, what's a sister wife? And Avienda goes, you have the same husband. And the Westland girls are gooped, bothered. And just like, whoa. And even Elaine is like, huh. Because she even thinks like, would I have had to have shared Rand with Egwene? And Egwene goes, I backed off. So Egwene kind of goes, I need to figure out how to do this. I need to figure out how to be able to get to Leandrin and the Black Aja. I can't just be walking around doing nothing. And, uh... She kind of tells them she's going to go to the Waste to meet Amis. Elaine and Nynaeve will go to Tanchico alone. Before any other decision comes in, Moraine comes in. And they're like, hey, guess what? And Moraine's like, mm-mm, 
I got a letter before. Shut up, Forza. Innate is talking. <laughs> oh, my. Yeah, essentially. Like, she, uh, well, first, she tells them Joya and Amiko are dead. They're... Yeah, which is just, oh. I love how she doesn't bury the lead at all. Yeah. She just tells you what's up because we're on a need-to-know basis. Exactly. And you need to know yeah. they did. And we find out that they were not killed in a very easy way. Their tongues were nailed to the doors of their cells while they were still alive, and then their throats were cut. This was probably one of the more brutal, dark deaths since uh, the dungeons or the cellar of, uh, is it Faldura? Yes, when uh, Panamfane escaped. Yeah, yeah, and all of the messages in blood and all the ichor down there. Uh, this is... This is pretty intense. Like, oh yeah, we, we we get a bit of a you know. Again, I think I really do think, and I I feel like you could just back me up without spoiling anything. This book is gonna get dark. Oh yeah, it's gonna get bloody. It's gonna get messy. It's gonna be very gory and graphic. And I'm I don't I don't hate it because it's not torture porn. That's no. the thing. It doesn't go into the verge of like. We get the after effects, like when the Shinarns came across the two men that have been skinned alive. Mm -hmm. It's brutal, but we don't have to sit through lengthy torture. Like right. oh, we don't, we don't linger on it. You yeah. know, it's not, it's not Stephen King. It's not George R. R. Martin. It's not. Oh God, that that man. Uh, that's that's for that's for a, a, a bonus episode. He took a lot from Wheel of Time, but that's I for a bonus. Believe it, but uh, yeah, no, you know, it's it's two lines. We're out of there. Yeah, it's kind of gross, but you know, this is my own personal endorsement. If you're a first time reader and you're getting kind of, uh, you know, if you haven't read it yet and you think it might be a little too extreme, I promise you, it's not. It's well written enough where you get goosebumps, but. Yeah, Dalen is exactly right. It's not torture porn. It all it all fits in its own way of the world uh, to really build those stakes and to kind of show us that we're we are entering the darkness. It's not yeah. it's not cute gleeman stories anymore. This the is, shadow is rising. Exactly, the shadow rises. Shadow rises. <laughs> so we're the girls kind of figure out that Amiko and Joya were killed because they talked. Right. And it's just, it adds another, pretty like, obvious. Yeah. <laughs> they were killed just because it was like, mm, you know, why just would somebody do this? <laughs> um, I think it just adds to just how scary the Black Asha are. Mm -hmm. Because they could have done that in Teleran Riyadh. Like, it's their access to Teleran Riyadh versus Egwene. That's what's scary about it. Right. Like, she even says, like, what if they found me? Yeah, like, the, what if they... the access and the maneuverability that they they under they just they understand they've been around the block more times than yeah. our Wonder Girls. So they tell Maureen the plan, and Maureen goes, So I was given a letter a month ago from an Aielman before we reached the Stone of Tear. And so we get the names of the other wise women, uh, Amis, Bayar, Malayne, and Sienna. And they say that Avienda is to come to uh Chandar above Ruidian, and Avienda is really not happy about that. Um, I also forgot to add, Amis is Ruark's wife, right? And his other wife is Avienda's aunt, right? So there's a little bit of like Moraine knows this, and she goes like, "Well, we can have a talk to uh, Ruark about this," and Avienda's just like, oh, "Fuck." <laughs> And over on my end, the family tree is growing ever so more with all of these Aiel marriages and yeah. relationships. 
And I'm just like, where are the brother husbands? Where are the... Where are the brothers? Where are the brothers? Um, We want the brothers. I think it's... I don't know if it's mentioned at all, but it is something that when people were talking about the TV show and, like, the IEL feel like a little bit more of a sexually liberated, like, Mm -hmm. I feel like it just wouldn't be a thing. Like, it's like, oh, that's his brother husband. Right. Anyway, you know? And I feel like if they wanted to introduce queer characters, I feel like that's the a good way because we can have, like, the Westlanders and they're like, oh, you can, oh, shocked, right. you can do this, you know? So, Ruark has already said to Moraine that Avienda is to go back to the Waste. And Egwene is kind of hesitant because she's like, Avienda doesn't want to go. And Nynaeve goes, okay, we have to make a decision now. We're doing this. And Maureen's like, you're right. You're doing this. You and Elaine are getting on a boat on, on a sea folk ship tomorrow. And Egwene, and name's like, huh? <laughs> She's like, you wanted to get there fast, huh? All right. I, I, I not like this. Yeah. So. Not your way. <laughs> <laughs> so the chapter ends with Maureen going, the next piece of the puzzle is finding out what Rand's plan is. Because Rand for some time, for a couple chapters has been talking about, he has a plan. We get he's going to bond probably a male forsaken. But what does that leave for Tyr and what he's already set up? It feels weird to, for him to have gone to play leader of Tyr and then go, okay, well, I'm leaving, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm very curious to what his plan is. I don't know if you have any ideas of what it is versus what we've kind of sussed out but uh, outside of some vague ideas not really i you know we know he's been looking through some books lately we know he's been kind of digging around for something i think he's you know he's got big plans yeah uh and just actually, a big girl in the big city <laughs> <laughs> and even before it happened i mean we're gonna get up to it and, and cover it but i as soon as that doorway was was mentioned and kind of introduced i really thought and figured rand would be going through there and figuring out some parts of his plan and some parts about his destiny at large. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much a given Rand was going to go through the doorway, but let's uh, save that because we are now on chapter 13, Rumors, and we are not talking about the slept-on Lindsay Lohan single. We are talking about the chapter, Rumors. You see, I, uh, I, I, I was doing a very small cut, and I was going to go Fleetwood Mac, but you went deep cut and went Lindsay yeah. Lohan and I appreciate that. Well, I was almost going to go back to our John Mulaney bit but after the recent news about John Mulaney, I don't know if my heart can handle any more John <laughs> Mulaney bits. He's, He's divorcing his wife. It's sad. Yeah. So anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but but please join us on our John Mulaney podcast where we dive deeper into the life yeah. of John Mulaney. Um, our John Mulaney podcast called On the Bench. <laughs> Um, so this is a very quick chapter. Um, Mm. Matt is in one of the taverns. It's again, that same night after the Trolloc attack, he kind of remarks that he had the same experience as Rand. He was saved by a bunch of Trollocs, but one of the Merdral called him Horn Sounder. Mm -hmm. So already Matt is kind of being picked out a little bit. Right. And, um, he hears, he overhears some people talking and they're like, Rand's a good dragon, but Loghain managed to, like, shake the earth and do all these things and start a war. Mazram Taim in Saldea was able to stop the sun and defeated uh, 
the Lord of Bashir's army. Rand's okay. Flop. So I was a little confused on this part, and it might be yeah. my, my first time read through and not too clear on the rules. Because Rand is the dragon, and all these other guys were false dragons. Right. Is it just that the population has a perception that this could be another false dragon? That's what it is. Okay. I think I think it's a lot of like, well, he could be the dra- I think it's also a lot of denial. Right. Because it's like you would think these uh, Tyran people would be like, the Stone of Tyr has been taken over. That's a prophecy. Kalendor is in the hands of Randall Thor. But they're still just like, I think they're a little like... Shaken up by change. That, and I feel like a little whelmed. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like they were expecting this like, oh, war with Ilian. This is it. And it's been like two weeks and Rand's done nothing. And they're all like, oh no. Gotcha. L- Loghain could have been... If it was Loghain... I think we're we're seeing the seeds of what those Tyrion lords were starting to plot against mm, Rand. Mm-hmm. Maybe we're starting to see a little bit of dissension against Rand. Okay, right on. Um, so Matt's just kind of idly listening, dipping his finger in the wine and drawing, and he sees he drew the redstone doorway, and he's like, "God damn it!" <laughs> Matt is Matt. I guarantee you, in our time here, if you were to test Matt, like, as a first grader or something, he'd probably be one of those ones that would test out of the subjects just kind of intellectually. Yeah. But would just socially not be ready to move on. <laughs> like, in that way of, like, teachers are just like, we want him to develop a little bit more. But yeah. I feel like Matt's mind is a lot sharper than we give it credit for. Matt is smarter than we give it credit for. Yeah. I think he just doesn't utilize it. Agreed. And I think he's under a lot of stress because as much as he's against Tavirn, I think he's really scared. Mm-hmm. You know, I think... You know, from the get-go, when we meet Matt, Rand remarks that Rand, Matt never really grew up. And we get right. that he's not... He's immature in some ways, but I think he's immature in the way that's needed. Right. Um, and so he... We see that, especially later in this chapter, he hears a group of people over... He hears them talking about the White Cloaks in the Two Rivers. And Matt freaks out because he learns they're searching for someone with golden eyes and the dragon reborn that are from the two rivers so he sprints back and he sees Perrin has already packed is packing his bags and like what about rand and he's like you know and both Perrin and matt both have this thing of rand of he's i give up like he's just not going to help us and i get it but it's also like you realize that matt rand has duties here Mm -hmm. like as much as it kind of sucks like that is your home Mm -hmm. Rand is in a very uh, is in a situation where he can't just leave. Yeah, well, and I think we touched base about this sometime during the week, but uh, this group of boys they are not best friends by no. any means, and I think that's just now starting to settle with me that this is not a Harry Potter trio that are going to yeah. be together forever and like glued together. They really are very separate individuals. They have a very realistic relationship of what it's like to grow up with somebody that, like, goes to the same elementary school as you. And you always kind of see them around. You might, you know, have a class and sit together. So you become friends for one year and kind of grow apart. But you've always been around. So you guys know each other. But it's not, like, best friends forever till we die. Yeah. And I think this cements that. That they're ready to break up a little bit more. It gives off that... um... Why aren't you friends with people from high school? We had an English class together. That's <laughs> it. But it is a little sad because I think I always had the theory that 
Perrin and Matt were not friends, but they were friends with Rand. Right. Rand was kind of their glue of, like, I don't think Matt and Perrin were getting brunch together. Like, they no. were very much, like, if Rand, if we're hanging out with Rand, it's cool, but we've, n- I, they might have hung out, and it just was kind of like, mm, mm-hmm. they didn't clash. Because I also get the vibe, Perrin doesn't like Matt all that much. No, I think their personalities clash a lot. I feel like Perrin can take Matt in small doses, and yeah. because of all of his problems, especially, like, his wolf problems and such, I think he sees Matt as very childish in a way. Yeah. Even though Matt's grappling with his own shit very much in the same way that Perrin is. And I think... I think just Matt's more of a suffering silence sort of type. Yeah. No, he does not necessarily spill his feelings. Perrin will if he if it's to the right person. Not to Fael, as we see, but... <laughs> Good God, I got so mad at... Oh, yeah. <laughs> at, at the dynamics um, happening. So, um... So Matt kind of goes, I want to leave. I physically cannot leave or even speak about leaving. Yeah. Because I think Matt's destiny is tied closer to Rand than oh, yeah. Perrin's is. Oh, yeah. And Matt and Perrin both realize this. And Matt goes, you know what? If you see my parents, can you tell them I'm okay? And it's a really sad moment because Matt leaves the room and he thinks of his two sisters. Um, what are their names? Eldrin and Bodwin. And then kind of like 20 seconds later, he starts thinking of like, there's a kitchen girl like cuddle up with. And then he goes like, oh, shit. But there is a moment with Bear Lane that kind of cracked me up. Um, let me read it. That's such a little shit. I love it. <laughs> ah, Where is it? He swept her his best bow, elegant and formal. A good evening to you, my lady. She started to sweep by without a glance, and he straightened angry, angrily. Are you deaf as well as blind, woman? I am not a carpet to walk over, and I distinctly heard myself speak. If I pinch your bottom, you can slap my face, but until I do, I expect a civil word for a civil word. The first stopped dead, eyeing him in that way women had. She could have sewn him a shirt and told his weight, not to mention when... He had his last bath from that look. Then she turned away, murmuring something to herself. All he caught was, too much like me. <laughs> it's a great moment, but I read that and I was like, how is Bearline anyway like Matt? Because, like, Matt's not a little, Matt doesn't, like, parade around with his titties out. Like, so I'm curious to see if we get to see more Bearline, because, I don't know, I'm curious to why she's, like, too much like me. But I did, like, the, if I, uh... If I grab your ass, you can hit me in the face. But until I do, be civil, you know? Uh, yeah, I really identified with Matt in this section. I have definitely... And he... I don't think this was accidental. I definitely think he meant to say everything he said. And I think he said what he meant. But yeah. I identified with this because working in the service industry, there are just some times when, oh, man, you just want to snap off like that. And I, I applaud Matt for sticking up for himself in that way. I know, and especially Matt does not like these nobles no, at all. No, he is not uh, one for the noble life at all. Um, I think none of these guys like these nobles because they come from, like, I don't think they're poor, but I think Matt was fairly well off because I think his far- father was a wealthy horse trader, which horses in these farming communities go well. And I think Egwene and Matt were a little more, like, middle class. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's even the, like, word for it. But I think they all 
we're not rich. And so right. I think the way they see the way these people talk to them, it's like, oh, fuck you then. Well, and I think Matt just thinks that they're all a little, little too stiff, a little too uppity, a little, there's too many rules. There's too many regulations. There's too many things you have to do as a noble. Yeah. I really do think, you know, Matt would be happiest if he was just a rambling. Gleeman. Gleeman. Exactly. Yeah. Matt is not one for the noble life. No. Uh, so Matt, again, angst about what he has to do, and that's where the chapter ends. And we go immediately to chapter 14, Customs of Mayen. Um, Perrin is by himself, and um, he, Perrin says he wants to stay, but he knows he can't. And he doesn't know what he's going to do about Fayil. And that's when Bear Lane comes in. And it's a kind of funny moment because Bear Lane's like, hey... So, uh, you're leaving? And Perrin's like, mm-hmm. She's like, uh, can you tell Rand I'm leaving by tomorrow? He's like, why don't you tell him I don't want to? But then she, like, turns on the charm a little bit, and she goes, like, realizes, Perrin realizes he's half naked, like, full titties out. And Berlin's like, so you're a blacksmith. We could use one in my hand. You know what I could use in my bedroom? And she just gives him up and down and goes, iron ornamental work. Like, and Perrin is shooketh. <laughs> I think Barry, I was kind of like, you know, good, good for you. I think she... Get your pool boy. Exactly. Uh, but that's when Fail comes in. And she had already told Perrin she, Barrelane always gets what she wants. Mm-hmm. And she is just kind of like, Barrelane touches his shoulder. And like, he thinks she's about to kiss him. And she's like... Without turning away from Fayil, just because remember what I said, I get what I want. And then I would love if in the show, as she's walking by, she just blows a kiss to Fayil, goes, <laughs> and then walks away. Like, and then, yeah, no, this pissed me off too uh, when I read it. Fayil uh, learns that parent, she's like, You're leaving, dude, you know it's a rumor. And parents like, My golden eyes make it less of a rumor. He's like, This is my family. I'm going to be leaving with loyal because it's going to take a couple days versus the several weeks it took for those rumors to reach here. And Fayil's like, cool. Uh, In the morning, we're going to need this, this, and this. And Perrin goes, you're not going. And Fayil, without missing a beat, goes, okay, so um, you should probably start going to bed now because we need to do it. And then she kind of goes, oh, would it make you feel better if Bear Lane went with you? She's a nice armful, isn't she? And Perrin, the great with women man that he is, goes, yeah, she is a nice armful. And this really hurts Fayil. And she leaves. And then Perrin goes, I wish I could have told her why. I'm like, you could have. You could have just said, Fayil, this is my family. I have to do this. Uh, They are in danger because of me. I killed a white cloak. I I feel like Perrin's losing a little bit of my respect. Yeah, I still I still love Perrin. Uh, you know, through the first three books, he was my favorite character. I'm getting a little annoyed with him. His intentions are great, and I respect him for that, but there's just an approach that he has yeah. that is very similar to Rand in some ways, that he needs to shoulder all of this responsibility. The two rivers two river stubbornness. Exactly. And and you know, and it's it's funny because I think not ha ha funny, but as a <laughs> As a reader, like a clown, <laughs> I'm like a clown. <laughs> but from like a reader standpoint, I'm just here, kind of like, well, we know that's not gonna happen. Yeah, uh, you know, it is, obviously you're gonna get roped into a fight, and you know who would be really great to have in a fight, 
Fayul, who <laughs> literally can like has knives on her. Like, it's just a little frustrating, and it's this. I mis- respect it, but I don't like it. I, I res- I get his intentions are good. He doesn't want Fayul to get hurt because mm-hmm. he's like, you don't deserve to get drawn into this. But Fayil explicitly goes, you know what? I, I wanted an adventure. I wanted this. It's like she has explicitly told parent, I want this. I wanted an adventure. I brought this on myself. Do not think you can just, like, patrol me around. And parent goes, work, and then does it, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's like, I don't know. It's just, it's it's a little frustrating, and it's a little, like, just be honest with each other. Yeah. It's all you got to do. I'm excited for this uh, this encounter we're going to have. You know, I'm, I'm thinking there's going to be a lot of conflict and a lot of cool stuff happening. Perrin, the character, I'm not so jazzed about at the moment. He's got a lot of... Yeah. Grow up, Perrin. Grow up, Grow Perrin up. Ibarra. <laughs> so we get to switch to Fael's POV. And she confronts Bear Lane. So I thought of your theory that Fael is hiding something. Because... Mm-hmm. She said she's a merchant's daughter, but for someone like that's somewhat low on the totem pole, she seems to know a lot about Saldean court things. Right. Like she talks about, can Bearlane recite a poem while going on the hunt? Does she know about the language of the fans? I'm like, this doesn't seem like something a merchant's daughter would know. Right. They don't, you don't typically find the adventuring life. The adventuring life finds you. Yeah. So I definitely think whether she's lying about that or that is the truth, then there's just, you know, a little bit of omittance there. There's definitely more beneath the surface for her. Oh, yeah. Uh, Jake just said, Pear Bear is sad. He thinks his family will be killed by the White Cloaks to get to him. And that is true. It's true. I can give him a little bit of space. Again, I can respect it, but I don't have to like it. Again, yeah. I, I, his approach and his unwillingness to bring other people into the fold, grow up, Perrin. It's a thing of, I know it sucks. I Again, it's like with Rand. The Two Rivers is not a f- war community. Right. If they had grown up with the Aiel, Aiel the Kyrian, the Kyrianans, the Tyrans, the Saldeans. Yeah, I could get like, okay, why are you being hesitant? You know how to fight. They did not grow up around violence. I think right. like the wrestling competitions at Beltine, and I think Matt Rand punched a dude for bullying him. That's about as much violence. <laughs> Those were the only two incidences. <laughs> ever. And Nynaeve and her thumping stick. Right. But again, there was not violence mm-hmm. to the level that they have experienced. Yeah. You know, they heard about war... All the way on the other side. Mm-hmm. They've said war never comes to the two rivers. Why? You know? So it's like, I get it. it. Again, I get it. I hate it. Thanks. I hate it. So, um, Fayul draws a knife and she's like, okay, let's do this. And Bearlane just flips her and right. takes the knife from her. And she just goes, oh, he, that was cute. Just know Perrin is mine. I'm going to take him and take him with me to Mayen. Ogier's oath on it. And maybe I'll have him when... I'll give him back to you when you're done, if he still wants you. Fael goes back in for another... Like, with another knife, and then Ruark steps in. And, like, Fael fucking punches him, but he stops her, his, her fist and, like, pins it. And she's just like, shit. It's a great dad moment, like... 
It is. No, it is. And we, we get a little bit more Bear Lane and how she's uh, a little, she's kind of shitty. I like it. She, she's I, very antagonistic. I think Bear Lane can smell weakness. Right. And I think Fai, uh, Bear Lane has to be able to be good about reading people. And mm. I think she can instantly tell she knows how to expose a weakness. Right. I think it's how she got as far as she did. Mm-hmm. She knows how to read what men want. She knows yeah. what men want. She can play up that like, he, 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 jiggle, jiggle. And she knows these dudes are going to do whatever I want. Right. She knows. But I I love this moment because there's a more to Bear Lane than we thought. And I think there is a little bit of danger to her. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's any like dark friend eat bad, but I think there is just like more to the surface that I can't wait to see more of. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. I think it's the easiest way of like, you know what people want and expect of you and then don't tell them what's actually going on. Yeah. And you have so much more freedom to maneuver around them and such. Oh yeah. And so Ruark tells Bear Lane that you're going to go to your room a little you're not going to get any dinner or breakfast some starvation will do you some good and Bearlane's like i'm the first and roark goes cute do we have to have the talk that we had the other night and whatever that talk was about it made it makes Bearlane go pale and he goes do you have to the count of three one two and she sprints down the hall and so i'm wondering what that talk was because it had to have been after she escaped Rand's room. But I'm kind of like, maybe it's about don't cause trouble. I don't know. I think there's a dirty secret in there. I don't know what about, but I think Ruark's got a little bit of leverage over her. I think they fucked. No. No, no wait, he's married. He's, wait. he's married two times. He's married That's twice. two oaths he'd be breaking. Yeah, that's true. But maybe. He is a dilf. <laughs> so, Ruark says... Fayil loses her knife. He's like, I've been trying to keep the peace here since what happened with the Trollocs. You're not about to start that. And if you want to, you and Bear Lane can go muck out the stables. And Fayil has a moment of like, yeah, that'll be fun to see her do that. Oh, shit. Then I'd have to be doing <laughs> Then I'd have to be doing it, too. So Rark bounces and Fayil recalls Bear Lane saying Ogier's oath. And she's like, Ogier never break their oath. So she's like, I'm going to go find Loyal, mm-hmm. and I'm going to really make Perrin mine. Mm-hmm. And so that's how Chapter 14 ends, which is, it's a great one. It's a great I, uh, Fayil study. Yeah, I got a feeling Fayil's going to, like, follow Perrin and Loyal to the two rivers without them knowing until they get to the two rivers. And she's like, surprise! <laughs> hey! Hey, guys! <laughs> like, literally, they see the cart, and... <laughs> well, I feel like Fayil's... Perrin can protest all he wants. Fayil's going to go like, you need me. Yeah. Not in like a needy way, but it's just you have no experience. Yeah. And I don't know if it's going to shake out exactly like that, but I'd be very surprised if she just did what Perrin said and to stay put <laughs> at, <laughs> at the stone. She would not. It's so funny because she, I like last episode when we said she would just literally pat him on the arm and go, cute. Anyway, right. she's literally going to do that because Fayil ain't no punk bitch. So then we get into the last chapter of 
this episode, yes. chapter 15, Into yes. the Doorway. It's so funny because you had predicted Matt will not go into the doorway. You know, I, then... I really ignored my own instincts of if there's a red button, there's exactly one person in this series that would push the red button before Matt. anyone else, Matt. Yes. Just see what it does. <laughs> and then he presses it and goes, well, how was I supposed to well, know? it's it... funny because, you know, at first he was like, there's no way I'm messing with that. It's magic and I don't mess with magic. But it took literally the Taveran magicness yeah. of that freaking him out and going, oh, shit, I'm way far in my head. The only thing I can think of is some more yeah. magic. And I feel like it's also him learning you can't fight this. You no, just yeah. do it. Just go into the stone doorway. And so he's just like, fuck it. So he goes down and he, te- and like, there's like a couple paragraphs of him just like pushing the stone, like trying stone doorway, trying to make it fall. He notices there's three sinuous lines carved into either side, which kind of fits little snaky, right. little snake people, Our little snake judges. And he steps through the doorway and it really reminds me of, like, fairies, like, mm-hmm. kind of creepy fairies, because uh, someone said, a humanoid figure pops out and says, a long time, yet the seekers come again for answers. The questioners come once more. Good. You have brought no lamps, no torches, as the agreement was and is and ever will be. You have no iron, no musical instruments. And I thought uh, iron is, like, a weakness to the fairies and the story. Right. So it's this really cool, like, huh like it makes me wonder who these people like what these creatures are they're snake people Mm -hmm. is all we know but i mean i know the official name but you don't so no i think we've got another instance of the old magic as it were kind of that same wolf magic the magic that kind of predates everything i think this is a little bit of that because this does not feel anything like the power this feels very ancient yeah very old it reminds me almost of like greek tragedy mm-hmm. like the way they go answer and we will tell yeah, you no these are some otherworldly beings yeah so matt is shown through this like palace because he goes he almost goes who where and then stops himself and he goes take me to where i need to go and the guide goes sure and we see this world that's really non-linear in a literal sense everything is curved in their circles and he looks outside and everything looks a little washed out. It's this really like he like they keep going in circles, which I don't think was anything mystical. I think the guy just got lost and he was like covered <laughs> up, covered up. Fuck, 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 fuck. It's been so long. It's been so long. Get it yeah. together. Get it together. Get it together. Stay calm. So come here often. <laughs> fuck. It, you know, after eons and eons of seekers not coming, you, you have a little nippy out of your flask and then son of a bitch, somebody comes through the doorway and you got to be oh, straight yeah. and you're like, oh no, I'm a little tipsy. I'm a little buzzed. Uh. He's just pissed because he was just going to start the West Wing and then <laughs> Matt comes in and he's like, God damn it. F- fine. Let's go. He And like he had been doing it. He'd been saying he was going to watch the West Wing for six months. For 6,000 years and six months, he was going to start the West Wing. This was his day. He had, like, the popcorn. He had his coffee. And then Matt comes in. So that's his whole afternoon ruined. Yeah, smart on Matt to catch himself, though, uh, for not asking questions. Again, he's he's sharp. He's very sharp. Very, very sharp. So let's go through his questions and the answers that he gets. Man, I I got... Let's go for it. Let's we'll go through them and I want to hear all your predictions. Yeah, because I got I got feelings about this. So should, Matt asks, 
should I go home to help my people? And they answer, you must go to Ruidian. Um, and as this, as he's asking his questions, it's punctuated by shaking happening. And the three snake people going, there's another here to Varen. And a lot of people are going, hurry, hurry. And the other's going, savor what's happening. So it's really interesting. So then Matt asks, why should I? And they answer, if you do not go to Ruidian, you will die. Why will I die? If Why will I die if I do not go to Ruidian? You will have sidestepped the thread of fate, left your fate to drift on the winds of time, and you will be killed by those who do not want that fate fulfilled. So they are telling Matt, the shaking has gotten worse, and they are like, you need to leave right now. And Matt's like, no, 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 you don't get to do this to me. And he asks his fourth question. What is my fate? And they answer, to marry the daughter of the nine moons, to die and live again and live once more a part of what was, to give up half, half the light of the world to save the world. And they end it with, go to Ruidian, son of battles, go to Ruidian, trickster, go, gambler, go. And Matt is literally picked up and tossed out the door into the stone of tear. But let's talk about this. Yeah, let's do so, it. So, Matt is told to go to Ruidian because there is something lying in his future. And in, and I'll read it again. Just He is to, one, marry the daughter of the nine moons. What do you think? Whoosh. I got nothing. All right. Got, it might be in the books, but <laughs> I did not trap that detail. <laughs> he is to die and live again and live once more a part of once, of what was. Yeah, so I got two theories for this one. Either okay. he is going to die and be made into, like, a song that inspires people, or, and this is the one I'm leaning towards a little bit more, he's going to be reincarnated. Somehow, okay. some way, he's going to shed this mortal coil and kind of come back. Do you think it is, like, do you think it has anything to do with the holes in his memory? Not really. I still don't know what that's about. That's been escaping me, too. I thought that was just a bit of damage from the dagger that right. he's still recovering from. But I don't know. He does slip into the old tongue a little bit. Uh, so that's the thing. A little it's, too often. Yeah. And so the third thing is to give up half the light of the world to save the world. Funny enough, you know, I thought uh, Rand was loose there. And now I'm just thinking everyone's loose there. And I think I think Matt creates the breaking of the world. Hmm. Somehow, someway, I think he does it. Interesting. I gotta take wild swings. This is the beginning no. of his destiny. I, yeah. got, I got nothing else. All right. But they call Matt son of battles, trickster, and gambler, which I was like, <laughs> yeah. Definitely a gambler. Definitely a bit of a trickster. Son the of battles. battles one is cool because, I mean, he's blown the horn of, uh, of Valir, Valir yeah. which is great. But, you know, that's, that's one. And then yeah. we've had, you know, a skirmish in the stone. I've got a feeling he's got a big battle coming to him <laughs> all right yeah so the chapter ends with matt getting out of the doorway ran stepping out <laughs> and then uh the uh and then moraine right and the kind of nail to matt is Rand goes yeah they had to have a translator for me and matt learns he was speaking the old tongue the entire time yep and moraine looks at them and goes like, she turns to Rand and goes, okay, what were your questions? And Rand goes, I'll tell you yours if you tell me mine. And Moraine just goes, anyway. <laughs> so, uh, Moraine bounces. And once again, 
Matt turns to Rand and goes, so what are we going to do about the white cloaks? And Rand goes, we will do what we have to do. And Matt's just kind of left to himself. And that's how the chapter ends. It's a really... So we now have Egwene, Avienda, and potentially Matt going to Ruidian. Yeah. We have Rand in the Stone of Tear, Nynaeve and Elaine going to Tanchico. Uh, who am I meant? Perrin going to the Two Rivers. Right. With, uh, is Loyal going to the Two Rivers or is he just He has his, to, uh, to go through the, the ways. ways right? Yeah. Right. So now our characters' paths are set. So now we go into what you originally, do you still believe the Battle of Ilian is still happening? Or do you think we are now on a different course altogether? No, I think we're going to sidestep it. I think Rand is doing a completely different plan. I yeah. think he's pulling the strings a bit. And, you know, while I thought this was a good thing, maybe this is actually a bad thing and that we needed that war with Ilian to start, you know, fulfilling that prophecy yeah. and whatnot. Uh, it is cool to see Rand kind of do the... No, I'm not playing your games anymore. Oh, yeah. And while Moraine, I still think, has the upper hand by just going, all right, fine, I'm not going to... The information is not worth my information. I'm not humoring you. Exactly. It is cool to see Rand stop being the puppet a little bit. Yeah. I, I really like that he's taking it, even though he's a little bit, I don't know, reckless, I guess. Yeah. He is coming into that leadership spot a bit. Oh, yeah. So I'm very curious. Do you think he'll end up with one of the groups? So we have Tanchico, Ruidian... And two rivers. Do you think he'll end up with one of them? No, I think, again, he's going to be completely separate from these other groups. I okay. think the formula is going to hold the way it has been. I think it's going to be, you know, these multiple threads all weaving out from each other, but they will intersect again. But I think he's on his own. All right. Yeah. All right. So I think that's a good place to end it here. Uh, we all want to thank you for coming out and chilling out with us. And if you're not listening live, what are you doing? Come join us on our Discord. The link is in the bio. So we want to end this podcast with uh, a new segment called Star of the Week. Eric, what are your stars for the week? Yeah, okay. So we got a couple of gold stars to give out. Um, gold star to Egwene for being a badass. Uh, gold star to Matt for growing up a little bit. I think he's, you know, starting to lean into the magics a little bit and lean into his destiny. Uh, those are the only gold stickers getting out, because I do have one color change oh. to give out. That's right. We've got a green, yellow, and red system going on. If, you right. know, yellow is a warning. <laughs> red is you have to stay after class. Oh, my God. Uh, like, uh, flipping a, flip a card. Exactly. Oh God. Did you exactly. ever get a red card? Oh, yeah. I cried. Oh, I, cri I cried so much. Um, I remember my mom had to be called in, and I ran to that board and hit it, and she was like, <laughs> Dalen, and I just... Red card. I hated getting in trouble so much. I did too, but I was a little drama, so. <laughs> um, all right, so who has, uh, does anyone have a yellow card? Yes. Oh. Paranibara. <gasps> Paranibara. I'm giving you a yellow card because you just, you need to talk out your feelings, bud, okay? It's okay to be afraid. Yeah. It's okay to be scared. But you gotta let your friends in. You gotta you gotta let them know what's going on in there, Perrin. Yeah. All right. We'll try better next week. We'll try better. All right. Any more uh, yellow stars? Uh, Any red stars? Uh, gold gold stars. I think think I gotta limit them down. Otherwise, I'm just gonna be handing them out like candy. I feel like color changes are gonna be completely dependent 
uh, I think those are. I think that's it. I think we got the two stickers and the one color change this week. All right, all right. And you know what? I don't think I have an armor piercing question this week. I think we should. We should be. Uh, I think I like this new uh, star segment. I think I like this. Nice. I'll think of a armor piercing question for next week. But once again, thank you all for coming out. Uh, Eric, please spell it out for me on this lovely Friday afternoon. Yeah, Where you, can they find you? You all know it's coming. You can find me on Twitter at Viva Ladanes. That is V I V A L A D A I N S. Music to my ears. Mm, and yum. you can find me on Instagram at Dalen M. Tone, or if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at The Only Gay in the Two Rivers, which is lovely. Um, but also, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at our official Loyals Book Club uh, accounts. Twitter, we are Loyal underscore S. And on Instagram, we are Loyals Book Club. Uh, trying to post more often there, but there'll be more updates and as we go along more polls more interactive things we have some fun things coming up for you guys a couple loyal spoils that we don't want to spoil yet yet but once again thank you all for coming out uh and we will see you all next week when we cover chapters 16 to 20 of the shadow rising you have a good one